Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This is Matt Leiner, and you're listening to Reign of Troy Radio. Reign of Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Get Michael Castillo on the phone. <laughs> Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. Oh, I can't believe USC is 5 and 7 and not going to a ball. Oh. All right, Trojan fans, turn up the volume. It's time for Reign of Troy Radio. Here's your host, Michael Castillo. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Reign of Troy Radio, episode 318, coming to you on Wednesday, June 26th. We're going to talk about the latest in USC football with our good friend, Keely Orr of USCfootball.com. Look at USC's newest commits. Talk about the NCAA in the state of California and open up a huge mailbag, a huge, huge mailbag here on this episode. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Reign of Troy. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Reign of Troy. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, Google Play, and Spreaker. Our bonus episodes are on Patreon, patreon.com slash Reign of Troy. Our email address is Reign of Troy at fansided.com. And our phone number is 213-373-1872. I'm your host, Michael Castillo. Join along with my co-host, Alicia Deratola. Hello, everybody. And we're joined by our special guest from uscfootball.com, Keely Orr. Hello. Thanks for having me on. I'm very excited to be on this episode. It's good to have you. This is like your, what, your third third appearance, probably? I think third? it's my third appearance, yes. Yeah. I believe so. That Actually, qualifies. No, it might be my fourth. Not sure. Third or fourth, somewhere in the in that ballpark. I, I'm, I'm a vet. You can say that. <laughs> not really. 100%. There's people who have not been on three or four times. Oh, wow. See, it's an honor. An honor to be here, guys. D- does that count as friend of the pod status? <gasps> I think so. I think so, too. I wow. think anyone who is actually a friend of the pod gets friend of the pod status, even if they're not on the podcast. Oh. I mean... I will say on Tunnel Vision, we do always say that you guys are our friends. So friend of the show, friend of the pod. So we extend that courtesy to you guys. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're all friends. We're all pals. Uh, by the way, uh, we have friends of the pod who are leaving reviews for us on Apple Podcast. Um, perfect transition there to talk about the latest review that we got. And by the way, you can leave us reviews. Keely, have you left us a review? I'm going to be very upset if you say no. I've left you guys reviews. You have? Wow. No, I have not. I will do it. Michael and all his sock puppets have left you reviews. (laughs) Do you put like under your real name or is this like uh, one of of your burners? Of of course not. (laughs) Oh, okay. Well, well, then how am I supposed to know that? Well, it's it's the thought that counts. But 
the point is you should leave us a review and everyone listening should leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It certainly helps us grow the show. We got a new one from Micro151, 151, whatever that is, who says, uh, this comes from a Rot Patreon fan, it says, I've been a big fan of Reign of Troy podcast for the last year or two and think joining their Patreon makes it even better. As much as I enjoy listening to their main episode, hearing Michael foolishly disparage Alicia's picks, despite her wiping the floor with him in every contest. I don't know what he's talking about there, to be honest. Really not sure. I mean, I am the the champion of the over-under this past season, and I think last season. Until I win this time. I'm going to win this season, and that'll all be put to to rest. But uh, this person goes on to say that the Patreon shows are well worth the money. The combination of short takes, throwback Thursdays, and just miscellaneous shows means you cover SC football in its entirety. Alicia, there's a lot of praise that goes towards you because you're doing a lot of those throwback Thursdays and the uh, the the takes and the, all that stuff. Yeah, I very much appreciate uh, the, the, the good review there. Um, yeah, I, I've very much enjoyed the stuff we've been putting out recently, the throwback Thursdays, uh, second and shorts that get into the more random minutia of, of USC football, but in particular, the throwback Thursdays are my new obsession. Uh, this, this coming week, uh, there's going to be one about Marlon, uh, sorry, Mike McKeever, the brother of Marlon McKeever, the McKeever twins that, uh, I basically fell down a giant, massive rabbit hole unintentionally as always, and ended up with like a, I don't know, like a 1500 word, you know, opus about the McKeever brothers so that that look forward to that this week and and yeah if you guys are interested in sort of the history of USC and the the sort of random things that have come in the past we're definitely hidden up on those at least until we get into into the position previews that we're that are, are going to be coming out just around the corner now that July is just around the corner yeah I was just thinking about that our, our schedule for the next month is going to be a little bit wonky Alicia goes on vacation next week so that doesn't mean that we're stop doing po- we're going to stop doing podcasts. Next week, we're going to put up uh, from Patreon our Superstitions episode. It will be live here on this feed uh, for free, just like all the other ones. Uh, so you'll be able to listen to that, to talk, hear about our Superstitions, and hear about the weird things that we do for sports and the weird things that you guys do for USC football. And so stay tuned for that. And then later in July, yeah, we'll do those, those previews, positional previews on Patreon and lead us into Media Day and then Fall Camp. Fall camp. Is that what you're calling it, Keely? Yes, it is fall camp. Anyone okay. who says otherwise is wrong. That's exactly the, 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 that's the stance that we take here on Renatory.com. It is not summer camp like our friends over Traveler Hits Thursdays continue to like push. See, summer camp means like there's cabins, there's wilderness. Yeah. Summer there's, camp like- is where you send a fat kid. <laughs> I can say this as a fat kid. There's fun activities. That's not that doesn't like invoke football exactly. terms in my mind. It's fall camp. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. And spring camp um, works because even if it's not totally in the spring, that's exactly what it is. It's the spring semester. True. And this is preparation for the fall semester, so it's fall camp. In baseball, spring training is in the winter, but they still call it spring training because they're training for spring. Exactly. See, uh, but I feel it like all works. Clay Hilton and Co. have kind of taken the NFL stance. What do they do? They call it training camp or something? Yeah, training yeah. camp. And I'm like, okay, come on. It's fall camp. But yeah. I think, isn't part of that they're, they're trying to differentiate 
the first two weeks from the last two weeks? Really? I think really? some of it is. Like the the first, you know, two, three weeks is training camp or fall camp before they get into the regular schedule of when school enrolls and then they're just doing like you know mock game week and then actual game week and all that stuff no maybe i'm overthinking it yeah Yeah, but but that's you have fall camp and then you have mock game week and then you have game week yeah that's right yeah all right let's just get into the news (laughs) oh by the way if you want to listen to or subscribe to our patreon patreon.com slash brand of troy and get all our stuff for a little 555 month micro 151 is subscribed and loves it so go do that and listen to next week's show here on the main show uh, about superstitions and see how much you like that, which is on Patreon. And that's just a preview of the kind of things that we do on Patreon. Also this week, we dropped a takes with Jake with our friend Jake Merrifield from the What's Bruin show. And he had this to say, by the way. You know, there's a lot more hardware in the USC trophy case than there is for UCLA. He said that on that Patreon show. So subscribe and you'll hear the full context of that little nugget but let's get into the news with alicia and everyone's favorite ucla fan kilior coming up next Let's get into the news here on this episode and talk about the NCAA, everyone's favorite. Uh, We have written down in our segment, the NCAA versus the state of California. It's not technically the NCAA versus the state of California, but it basically is. Alicia, explain this whole thing. Yeah. So basically the state of California, the California State Senate passed a bill uh, last month that would allow college athletes to profit uh, to be compensated for the use of their name, image, and likeness, uh, which is sort of the conversation that's been had around uh, college sports is the potential way to pay players is if they were able to get uh, almost like endorsement deals and the like. So California made the move of passing this bill that would let that go into effect in 2023, and it's currently in committee uh, in the in the California legislature. So the NCAA sent a letter to the commu- co- to the committee basically asking them to like hold up and not let this thing pass through uh, because because basically it would screw with everything that the NCAA does as far as amateurism. Uh, so in in that letter, uh, which uh, USA Today uh, had the report from, uh, in that letter, they essentially told the state of California that if this law, if this bill passes, that schools in California – would not be allowed, they would be prohibited from competing in NCAA championships. Uh, which, what that means is USC, UCLA, Stanford, Cal would potentially be barred from NCAA competition because allowing student-athletes to profit off of their image and likeness would mean, you know, players making making money. Uh, and, and the NCAA is, is pretty much against that. So... It's an interesting little battle that's going on uh, that doesn't really mean a lot because the NCAA itself is already – they've started a working group. They're trying to sort of figure out uh, how this is all going to be handled. But it's just an interesting threat to make to look at California and say, yeah, if y'all go through with this, then we're going to ban the uh, all-time leader in NCAA championships, Stanford – 
the second all-time leader in NCAA sam- uh, championships, UCLA, and the third leader in all-time NCAA championships, USC. Uh, USC also happens to be the one of the most prestigious uh, college football blue bloods. UCLA happens to be one of the most prestigious college basketball blue blue bloods. Like they're talking a big talk uh, when it comes to to the idea that they would bar those schools from competition. I don't think there's any chance that it ever that it gets even close to that. Um, the, both sides are basically playing a game of chicken. Yeah, when I when I saw this stuff, I was like, nope, that's never going to happen. Uh, this is one of those things that's too extreme to actually go through. But then again, we live in a world where Brexit happened. So, you know, maybe anything yeah. could happen at this point. Uh, Keely, what's, what's your your take on this whole NCAA and the state of California thing? I just find the parallels interesting to what happened with the Todd McNair case. I just feel like the NCAA is getting more and more at odds kind of with the state of California because... In that case, in the Todd McNair case, they ruled that the show cause penalty that Todd McNair had uh, was illegal in the state of California. Um, and Larry Scott essentially wrote a letter uh, to Frederick Schaller, the judge in that case, saying, well, you know, if California goes through this with this, then maybe the California school shouldn't be in the Pac-12. And it's like, what? <laughs> you know, it's, a, it's another game of chicken where you're like, you're really going to kick out Stanford, Cal, UCLA, and USC, like, over, like, that just doesn't make sense. So I see the parallels where it's like, okay, we're coming at a, at a, at a crosshairs, but who's going to blink? You know, I don't, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like it's, it's going to go through. Yeah. I think every side is like grandstanding in their own way. And at some point it's just all going to get figured out, especially since what the state of California is doing for they're on the right side of it this time for sure. In the fact of, yeah, payer players should get paid for their likeness and all that stuff. I think we all agree on that. Um, And at some point the NCAA is going to have to cave there. I think they're more likely to cave than anything else, or at least find a way to meet in the middle and everything will be kosher after that. I think that's what makes the threat so ridiculous is that the NCAA is clearly fighting a losing battle here. Like the NCAA mm-hmm. just doesn't want to acknowledge which way the wind is blowing. And it's clear by these threats that they're, they are in desperation mode of all we have left is the nuclear option. Yeah. And again, I, I wouldn't hold my breath about this thing. It, first of all, it's several years away, 2023, uh, which, and again, I mean, 2015 feels like just yesterday. So maybe not. Maybe it's not that far away. Uh, but we'll, we'll see what comes of it uh, when anything comes of it later on. And we'll talk about it then on the podcast. Let's talk about more SC stuff and talk about more commitments and there's more three-star commitments because it's still three-star season, and three-star season is super happening for SC right now. Three more commitments this week. Three-star defensive tackle Kobe Pepe from St. John Bosco. Three-star offensive tackle Andrew Milik from Phoenix. And three-star offensive tackle Andres DeWerk from Los Gatos, California. Keely, it's three-star season, as we talked about last week on our episode. You guys on the Family Feud talked about three-star season a little bit as well. What do you make of these three commitments adding to that, being more three-star guys? I mean, I think it's something to... I feel like there's a lot of factors to three-star season, if you will. First of all, USC is coming off of a five-and-seven season. So what do you expect, right? 
it, yeah, it, they're coming off five to seven season. Clay Hilton's future, Lynn Swan's future, for all that we know, is up in the air. I mean, if you're a high prospect, you don't really want to go to a place where you're promised by a guy who might not be there for your whole four-year, three-year career. Um, so that's one of them. Two, I think you can also see that USC is now starting to recruit more to their scheme rather than just guys who are four- and five-star prospects. And you can see that with the O-line uh, guys who committed specifically. If you look at Milek and DeWork, those are taller guys, guys who have a, a bigger wingspan, guys who are going to fit more in the air raid-ish type scheme rather than, you know, if you look at Tolo Bendon, Damian Mama, those were kind of shorter guys, bigger, more heavier guys. Um, so you can kind of see how they're kind of switching who they're recruiting, but also for the for the offensive line class, it's just a bad year on the West Coast in the 2020 class. Um, USC had opportunities with four-star offensive linemen in the in the 2018 class, but kind of struck out there, and that's another result and consequence of a five and seven season and a and a recruiting staff that isn't really fully equipped. So I think what you're seeing is a lot of factors. Is it a huge panic season for USC because USC fans specifically because there's a lot of three stars committing? No. I mean if USC somehow goes on a miraculous 12 and 0 run, you'll kind of see guys who are low ranked slip away when uh, signing day comes around. You know, things work out if USC suddenly gets better and more higher prospects want to come to USC. Things kind of shuffle out um, naturally in that in that type of way. So is it a cause for panic? Not really. I would just wait and see how this goes. We're, we're still kind of early in the 2020 class. Some of these three stars might graduate to be a four star. So just wait and see. Don't press the panic button yet. Yeah, I think that this is the consequence of five and seven. Not just that. This is the consequence of five and seven and under recruiting the offensive line for the past six, seven, eight, nine years. Like USC has gotten big time offensive line recruits, but they haven't gotten bulk en- enough. Not not bulk in terms of size of the of the recruit, but bulk in terms of numbers of those recruits. So USC's gotten you know one or two, four or five star guys, and then when they haven't worked out that great. USC's left with no other options. And so I don't think that this class uh, is necessarily going to be a problem if USC is taking some chances on some three-star guys who maybe, you know, when you look at three-star guys, you're hoping for, you know, 50% hit rate. If you hit on 50% of these of these offensive tackles that you're bringing in and you produce reliable starters out of them, uh, then you're doing fine in that class, especially if, when you when you factor in, you got a four star guy in Jason Rodriguez last year. You look ahead to twenty twenty one, and you really have to then go strong in twenty twenty one in terms of the quality. But if twenty if if twenty twenty is just going to be about quantity, that's not the end of the world. I know that USC fans, uh, when it comes to USC's overall talent, that's not the end of the world because USC still has overall talent uh, that they've brought in on the offensive line. So you are putting yourself at risk uh, if things go wrong in 2019 and you end up having, uh, you know, two classes in a row that are really subpar uh, in terms of the the ceilings. But like it's again, you're coming off a five and seven season. You you have to be pragmatic about what you're actually able to work with. So 
That's the way I look at it. But isn't it slightly concerning in the sense of the whole point of the air raid is to have run that scheme with the talent level that USC has normally gotten? And right, I, but- I, I fully get that you're not going to get that talent at five and seven. But at the same point, going after guys that fit the scheme thing, doesn't that just feel a, a little bit disconcerting? But it's, but it's June. Like the, the, sure. my, my yeah. point about all of this is freaking out about recruiting in June is just adding stress to your life that is not that is unnecessary. Right. Um, and, and, and this whole week I've been talking about like, you know, USC in this year or that year, 2006 or whatever. It's a number one class in the country. There are 11 three stars in that class. 2000. What was it? 2017 has like nine or 10 three stars in that class is a top five class like. The three the three stars that you pick up in June are not going to be the big problem. You can you can have all of these three star guys or at least the three three star offensive tackles in your class. And if you do well in 2019 and snap up a a four star guy late on, I don't know who that is, because like, you know, we've talked about there's not a lot of guys available there. Um, Your your talent level still isn't suffering like. I think that I get what you're saying about the, you know, you want to be able to run the air raid with the ta- with the the great recruits that USC has. But having one class where you're bulking up on three stars doesn't mean that you won't have those more elite recruits available to you if you do everything right. Yeah, because it's essentially we're in a gray area right now where USC hasn't officially run the air raid where everyone right. can see it on a national level and can attract people who look at it, that and go, hey, I can maybe fit into that scheme. But uh, another thing that USC, from their standpoint, I think because it's not a strong 2020 offensive line class, Tim Drevno is really looking at this and looking hard at film, looking hard at the, the film they captured at Elite Camp and having to do extra legwork and really look at these guys in ways that, you know, Neil Calloway didn't really look at guys in the recruiting process. So from what we've heard from the USC side of things, they feel good about the guys that they're evaluating and they're evaluating them more more than they have in prior years. So I think from that standpoint, they're also feeling like, hey, we're doing our due diligence in this type of pool that we have and we feel good about it. So, you know, and and the thing, the big bullet point over all of this is that it's June and USC, if they win, always closes strong. So, you know, we're going to be talking about this ad nauseum and let's go back to it in a couple months and we'll be like, okay, do we really have to talk about this? <laughs> yeah, I know. It, it, that, I, just, I had somebody, I had a friend of mine text uh, me and go like, are we really just going to pretend that these that this class is going to be okay with all these three stars? I'm like, dude, I've had the same conversation with people for five years in a row. Like, this is not unique. Uh, the, the three stars come in June and May and people freak out about them every year. We have this conversation every year. But the last thing I want to say on this is, I know this isn't a perfect comparison, but when you think about it, like USC recruits the five-star quarterback one year and the next year, what do they do? They go out and get their Matt Fink. They go out and get their Keaton Slovis. They go and get their three-star guy that, you know, maybe they work out, maybe they don't. It's not a big deal. I I think the best thing to do would, would be to look at this haul specific to the offensive line in 2019 as the, the stopgap year where just having a few guys who maybe you maybe you make something of them that's okay but you do have to then come out and swing big time in 2021 and you do need to develop the guys who are currently on your roster i 100% get that but there's five offensive linemen that play not one quarterback right that's and why and second I secondly last year's class was 
not that great of an offensive line class. I mean, you just had Jason Rodriguez as a four-star offensive lineman. You haven't. What was the last five-star offensive lineman that SC had? Austin, Austin Jackson, Jackson was a, a five-star in one of the services, right? But he wasn't a consensus five-star. It was the last consensus five-star that SC had on the offensive line. It's been a while. It's been a long time. Right, but at the same time, it'd like, be easier to it'd be easier if they were getting them every other year, like you're talking about. Right, I, I think that would quell a lot of these things. But the bottom line is, just win, and SC will have more access to more recruits. Well, just that win. Is, that's the big thing. Just win. Stop changing your offensive line coach or having the wrong offensive line coach, yep. and don't have your head coach be on the hot seat, like. I know those are not necessarily the easiest things to be doing all at the same time, but USC is certainly capable of doing all three of those things at the same time. Can we blame this on Neil Calloway? Absolutely. All right. Uh, well, all told, USC has nine commitments in the 2020 class, two four-stars and seven three-stars. The Trojans are ranked 44th nationally, fifth in the Pac-12, at least as of Monday when we we're putting together this rundown. And I just want to go through some of the schools that are ahead of USC right now, just you know that people will panic over this. Number 24, Northwestern. Number 29, Kansas. 30, Kansas State. 32, Maryland. 33, Wake Forest. 36, Boston College. Alicia, what do all those schools have in common, by the way? Uh, they won't be ranked ahead of USC come well, signing day? <laughs> yes, but they're all Power 5 schools, right? But the one that, that I think is the, the gut punch that's hilarious to me is North Texas at 42. Which is pretty funny. That is hilarious, man. Like, Graham Harrell comes from North Texas to SC, and like he's in a recruiting class that's ranked below him. That's funny. Well, I mean, I, I'm pulling it up right now. I mean, now, it's June. So it doesn't really matter, but it's I'll June. be able to answer this question shortly, because I'm just pulling it up. But North Texas, how many three-star recruits does North Texas have, Michael? I would guess that they have, like, 12. 15. 15, okay. Zero four-stars, zero five-stars, 15 three-star recruits, and they're ahead of so USC's just, recruiting class. So it's just class, a quantity deal. Which got, just goes to show you that recruiting in June, recruiting rankings in June mean next to nothing. Yeah. And by the way, Washington's 59th, UCLA's 87th, and Utah's 97th. Not that we're counting. But the interesting thing is I, I went through the top 100 recruits in the 24-7 sports composite. 62 were committed already, which means there's only 38 that are uncommitted. And you look down those top 100 recruits, and there's not a lot of guys that SC is super in the mix for. I mean, yes, there's Justin Flo at number three, by John Robinson at number 22, Gary Bryant, 65, Miles Morale at 69. You know, those are nice recruits, but you need more than that. But again, that goes back to what you were saying, Keely. You just got to win. Yeah, it with USC, it always comes down to winning. It's The brand name is strong enough that, you know, Everything else doesn't really matter besides just winning and it's USC. Good location. Everything else figures itself out. But the thing is, is this is the one year where USC couldn't really bank on that. Five and seven has a whole bunch of consequences, some that we already talked about. And so if USC can just get it together this year and not seem like a dumpster fire, for lack of a better phrase, I think it will it will turn out much better come signing day yeah 100 percent. and uh since sc is in the middle of three star season one of the big reasons for it is the camps which have been going on throughout june keely you've been in a bunch of the camps i, I want to get your take first of all what are the camps like both as just in general and and as a as a media person 
What is it like covering these camps at SC on campus? Something that will shock Alicia is that there's not an SID person walking around controlling when and where we can film or shoot uh, these players, which I mean, is you're not shocking. stuck in a corner, you know, behind the cones with line penning you in. There's not an official media pen. We can roam. I've filmed on top of Dado Field. It's a it's a glorious experience to Freedom. roam around. <laughs> yeah, to roam around. It's it's so nice. So that is kind of new, and that not it's not new, but it's a different experience than the regular season. Um, of course, they're not doing any scheme or, or plays that are going to be exposed. So that's why they're much more chill about it. But um, it depends on which camp you go to, there's a different feel. Elite camp is completely different than Rising Stars. Um, and if you want me to get into that evolution, I can. But uh, Rising Stars, there's just a ton of parents, a ton of kids. Whereas Elite camp, uh, it's it's much more slimmed down. It's a totally different setup. Um, so it's And USC added a 7-on-7 seven seven tournament in the last two years. So that's a new thing that USC is doing. Um, and that you kind of see more younger guys. So you kind of get a whole range of events in June. But it's definitely camp season for, for June. Yeah, you mentioned the Elite Camp and, and Rising Stars and the 7-on-7. Seven seven. I want to know, like, what is the reps like? when, Like at Rising Stars, when there's 50 billion kids there, how like, how many reps does a guy even get if you're like if you're a hot prospect? How much of a look are you even going to get? Or you just go in there to be there, and then you're going to come back for elite camp? Well, the th- I, rising stars is the best for the guy who is kind of in the middle. He hasn't really been invited to elite camp, but he's better than the average guy at rising stars camp. So with someone like Andres to work, he wasn't invited to elite camp, but he showed up to rising stars impressed the coaches and got an invite to elite camp um and so that's where you can kind of make your mark if you're an in-betweener um so rising stars camp you don't get a lot of reps it's literally like a thousand kids there um if basically if you can pay you can go um it's ranging from like seven-year-olds to you know juniors in high school to give you an idea of the the span of all the bodies and where they have to put them they paint dado field uh, so that is now a, a football field. They have yard markers and everything on the baseball field. So that's full. You have Howard Jones field full, and then you have Cromwell field full too. So it's it's just a lot of bodies everywhere. Um, and then it's just they have to put numbers on the on the the camp shirts. You know, it's just so many so many players. But then elite camp, it's very exclusive. You get an invite, and it's essentially like a USC practice, but for these prospects um so you get to warm up with Aaron Osmus you do a whole Trojan workout you get to you get paired up with your prospective USC coach so if you're an offensive lineman you go with Tim Drevno if you're a linebacker you go with Johnny Nansen etc etc um and so it's kind of like a tryout if you were to commit to USC and be a Trojan you get to do everything that they do show up early in the morning go to the McKay Center get to see what that's like you go out, you practice, you get filmed, you get coached by your prospective coach, you come back into the McKay Center and you watch the film of what you did in that camp and you get a lot more reps. Um, it's You can definitely tell the guys who've done their off-season workouts and who haven't because they get pretty winded because that's how many reps they're doing at a league camp. Um, and like I said, they go over their, their tape in the McKay Center and it's a whole thing. So a league camp is definitely the the cream of the crop as far as camps go. 
And then these camps, like, is it just one day? Are they coming back for multiple days? Like, how does that work? Because I think it's weird to call a camp something, or call something a camp that's only one day. Like, really? Yeah, is, is are they are they going to be there overnight? Like, how does this work? Actually, I, I think like that's a, a good point. <laughs> I never thought of it that way, but yeah. Like, yeah, there were YMCA camps that I went to when I was a kid. And I know it's completely different, but like, where we would go every day and, you know, my mom would just drop me off. There was basically daycare. But like one of these camps, if it's just one day, to me that's not a camp. That's like a it's a clinic. Interesting. I've never this, you know, Saman from Triple H Thursdays will will die on the hill that fall camp should be summer camp. This is the hill I'm <laughs> d- dying on. It should be Rising Stars Clinic, an elite clinic. But that sounds so much lamer. It like, does, yeah. yes. It does I'm going sound to the like elite clinic. Like, are you training to be a doctor? Like, that's just not a thing. Well, I would hope my doctor is elite. So. <laughs> true, true. But yeah, no, it's only one day. Um, so it's not like an overnight thing. But the thing too is that if you're out of state, like say you're a Texas guy, like uh, Ty Jordan or B. John Robinson, you're kind of coupling your official visit into elite camp. You know, you can kind of combine um one-stop shop for all of this so some guys do that where they're staying longer and and elongating all that yeah that makes a lot of sense and then if you time things right you can do sc and ucla at the same time for instance which is probably the thing to do if you're an out-of-state recruit uh even though you probably don't want to hear that if you're a sc fan but yeah uh that's gonna wrap up this whole recruiting talk uh we have so much in the mailbag i want to get to it asap here so we'll take a quick break. We'll come right back and have two long sessions of mailbag because it's so huge. So we'll be right back. You've got mail. All right. We're going to start with a voicemail we got from our good pal, Dave the Greater in Utah. Hey, Michael, Alicia. This is Dave from Utah. Hope you guys are doing well. And I just got to say, hey, it's been a while since I called you guys, but uh, several things have kept me off during this off season. But I want to talk about this BS that is this transfer portal thing. It has me going nuts. So what is the deal with this? Are players just wanting to go anywhere but USC? Is that even possible? That's, that's crazy. Now, what I want to know is, are these players contacting other schools and say, hey, if I put myself in the transfer portal, will you pick me up? I mean, what's what's going on with Matt Fink? He's going to Illinois. Now he's not going to Illinois. Oh, now he's coming back to USC. Oh, but he's going to have surgery now. Dude, what are you doing? And the other guys, Castile and all the rest of them, what are you doing? Transfer portal, my butt. I want to know how this works. I want to know if there's some collusion going on with other schools. I want to know what is going on with this whole pay-to-play thing and, and getting celebrities into the school. I got some weird feelings about that whole thing, too, but I'll save that for another call. Rant over. Fight on. Thanks for the call, Dave, as always. What's up? <laughs> I, I wanted to get a drop of like all the like the whole Budweiser thing, and it was so hard to record, so that's why I don't have a drop. But, yeah, what's up? But... Yeah, Dave, in, in terms of the, the transfer portal, so the, the way the transfer portal works, once you put yourself into the transfer portal, you have the freedom to talk to any other school and any other school has the freedom to talk to you. I think that might be the rush for people to get into the transfer portal because then it breaks down all the walls and then it allows players to have more rights that way. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I'll i put it out there that I wouldn't be surprised at all if there's some sort of uh, tampering going on. I mean, like, I don't think that, that there's anything w- like official tampering where a coach is actually contacting a player um, when they aren't supposed to be contacting them. But I think there are always ways around those kinds of rules. And I guarantee you that schools everywhere are doing everything that they can to, you know... Um, wink nod and nudge uh, as much as they can yeah i mean there's there's definitely rules around coaches but players don't have as many restrictions as coaches do and you know if a teammate is feeling friendly and wants to talk to uh, a friend at a different school they can always do that so there's ways around it for sure yeah the other thing too is I think what's happening and I think what Dave's uh, frustration with this is getting at is is my same frustration with like recruiting. But uh, because I find the whole recruiting process just really uh, annoyingly, you know, wishy-washy. And that is something that I just sort of have to shrug my shoulders at and accept that this is what the recruiting process is like. Well, I think that we are in an era now with the way that the transfers go that the recruiting process is just extended into – the into that next level it's crossed that barrier of once you've already enrolled it's just the same exact thing like this like the wishy-washiness of it all it's all just an extension of the wishy-washiness of recruiting so we might all have to come to a point where we just shrug and say this is the new normal and as much as we don't necessarily like it it's it, it just it is how it is. I think it'll be interesting to see how things react, you know, a couple of years from now. Because every time everything changes, there's always an adaptation period, and people get used to things. People change their their habits, or maybe there's new legislation that that changes as a reaction to what happened initially. I, I give give it some time, more than just a couple of years of the transfer portal stuff to uh, to kind of see what comes from it. Uh, we also got a email from Dave the Greater, who says, Last year, undoubtedly, Port Augustine was the defensive beast. Who will become this year's defensive beast? My money is on Pallier Naoteote. What say you? Keep up the great work on my favorite podcast. Fight on, Dave the Greater. Keely, who you got as the defensive beast? I think EA is the safe choice. You know, he the hard-hitting hits that he makes in practice makes that just such an easy call. I think maybe Drake Jackson, if you want to go like freshman phenom type of angle, just because his whole performance in the spring showcase was pretty exciting. Um, but I'm going to go that EA Drake Jackson route. Yeah, I think, I think everyone is on the money with EA Naoteote. He is the, he is the answer to this question, but for the sake of, of changing it up, I'll Don't go. take my answer, please. Don't take my answer, please. <laughs> well, I can go one of two ways. So now it's a coin flip of whether or not I'm going to take your answer. I, I'm, I think I'm going to go with Talano Hafanga. Assuming God he's healthy. My my bad. I could also gone defensive line, but <laughs> assuming Talano Hafanga is healthy, I think that he is is set up to be a stud at safety for USC. It's just I I need to see him make it through uh, without hurting himself. I am gonna. Make a bold prediction right now. Ooh. If Talano Hufanga is healthy, he will be an all-conference player in 2019. I like that. I don't know who else will be the... I don't... And, and if don't he's healthy and does that, then I'm willing to go into next year and be like, he could potentially be an, be an All-American. I think he's on that... that 
he's on that path to be that good. We just have to see it for a whole year. We have to see him be doesn't, healthy. We have to see everything continue to develop. Doesn't the Pac-12, like, isn't everybody pretty much replacing their secondary? Like, I want to say that there aren't a ton of returning secondary guys in the Pac-12, with the exception of, I think, like Stanford. So Stanford has a really good secondary. Yeah, yeah but so he might be prime to... Yeah, and he has the pedigree, uh, for sure, um, that you would want from... A, an all-conference player. Uh, let's go to an email we got from Dan, who says, I continue to see rumors that Urban Meyer will coach at USC. I get that he has won national championships for multiple teams, yada, yada, yada. But am I naive to think that a university with a pending and deserved nine-figure sexual assault judgment is smart enough not to not hire Urban Meyer? I can't think of anyone except perhaps Art Bryles who would be worse for USC's highest-paid, most-visible post. Fight on Dan. What say you, Alicia? Yeah, <laughs> I'm of two minds here. My first instinct, uh, my first mind here is to 100% agree with Dan. The moment the Urban Meyer thing came up, my first thought was, oh, USC, don't. Just don't, don't, don't open that kind of worms. Like, you can't. I'm also of the mind where part of me is willing to sell out for wins because I'm, I cannot, I cannot deal with any more miserable seasons. So, like, I get why the equation could turn towards sell out for the wins. Uh, but I think that the the smart thing to do would be to say, don't try to relive the past with, with Urban Meyer, especially since, you know, Michael, you're concerned about his health stuff, all the way, the trend of him, uh, you know, always burning out wherever he ends up. I think the smarter thing would be to not make the Urban Meyer hire, make the right hire of the younger coach who is the next Urban Meyer but be able to, you know, be able to identify that coach. Uh, being able to identify that coach is a lot easier said than done. Yeah, I mean, this is just such a Pandora's box exercise. I mean, on our podcast, Shotgun's whole thing is that he doesn't even like entertaining the idea of of possible head coach replacements if there's not an opening. So I could go that route. But you know, I. It would be the smart thing for USC not to go down that route just because there's so many other scandals that they're just trying to uh, handle right now. And we don't know what Careful is going to do, what she thinks about her priorities, whether Lynn Swan, the athletic department, is a priority or is it the other things. You know, I don't know where she falls on that, and she's definitely going to have a hand in a new hire if Clay Helton is fired. Um, but I definitely think it's the smart thing for USC to do to not touch Urban Meyer, but have we known USC to do the smart things? Not necessarily all the time. So I don't know. On the plus side, he's got no USC connections. So true. Well, this is the thing that, that drives me up a wall, right? Like who if we said SC should go get someone who's won national championships, someone who has no USC connections, someone who's done all <laughs> these things. Like what Urban Meyer is in that sense is exactly who SC should go out and hire. But also, and I think Dan is right on this. Like, if you're USC, in the situation, the context that SC is in, which is having a nine-figure sexual assault judgment they, and you know settlement that they have to pay out, like I agree that Urban Meyer's sins are not anywhere close to Art Bryles or, or anybody like that, and that he would deserve a second chance in a grand scheme of things. At the same point, SC is not the school that should be giving that second chance based on all these other things. Well, SC doesn't... You have to have goodwill built up. And USC doesn't have the necessary goodwill built up right. to 
for for the move to not be anything but a sellout, anything for the wins. Like, because that would be the thing is if USC had a better reputation on these kinds of things, USC could say, listen, we're going to try to give him a second chance and rehabilitate and we're not going to take any crap or anything like that, except that. USC, USC can't say that. What USC would be saying by hiring Urban Meyer is literally anything for the wins. Yeah, and I'm convinced that Urban Meyer is going to be Jose Mourinho. That if That's SC goes the scare, out, yeah. Go, uh, goes out and gets him, like, the luck will have, have run out. The, the, the well will have dried. And I, I maybe that maybe that's, you know, me just talking myself into my position. I don't know, but... The thing that I Matt can't, Campbell, Matt Campbell. The thing that I can't wrap my mind about is that, like, I feel like part of the reason why Clay Helton was such an attractive hire for Pat Hayden and company was that he was kind of the antithesis to Lane Kiffin and Sark. Where yeah. He was so wholesome. He was this guy where you know you're not going to have a scandal off the field or whatnot with him. And so to justify to go from Clay Helton. To Urban Meyer, then what it are we doing? With, all of that, right? What are we doing with Clay Helton? Why did we? Why did yeah. you choose Clay Helton for that reasoning? If you're just going to turn around and hire Urban Meyer, it just doesn't right. make sense. If that's been your reasoning this whole time, yeah. And then the other way you could do it is well, because he wins, and at the bottom, at the end of the day, people care about winning more than anything, which is true too. Uh, you would think. Um, let's go to a Slack message from BJ in Inglewood who says, "What group are you looking forward to?" seen improve the most or which inexperienced group would you love to see mature before your eyes like the dbs the o-line or the d-line keely you know i had thought about after we had answered that first question about a defensive guy you know i'm really looking forward to seeing what the j2 fellas the brandon peely's of the world kind of do in this third year, second ish, third year, you know, J2 Philly have, has had moments where you're like, wow, this, he, how did he make that play? How did he do that? But then he'll have another play where you're like, Ooh, J2 Philly, what are you doing? You know, that consistency is not there. Brandon Peely, even Clay Helton admitted he kind of had a sophomore slump. So where is he at the end of uh, spring going into fall? What is he going to be more consistent? He's going to break out of that slump. Um, Marlon Tuipolotu, we've seen great flashes from him. So I'm curious to see if that kind of core three guys in the defensive line, where are they at this kind of point in their USC career? Are they over that hump? Are they getting more consistent to where we're seeing those great plays um, over and over again? So I'm curious how they develop. But the biggest question mark for me is the defensive backs. They're such a young group, so inexperienced. Um, adding Chris Steele in there, what does that do to that group? Uh, that's something in fall camp I'm definitely going to be watching for. How does that group mesh and mold together is a big question mark. Yeah, I think those are the right answers. I, I, I Just to go, well, I'm gonna not going to be able to avoid just total agreement here. Um, as far as the group I would like to see improve the most, I'll go offensive line. Because I think that they are in most need of improvement. Whereas, uh, <laughs> whereas uh, the inexperienced group that I would love to see mature, I think Keeley has hit the nail on the head in terms of the defensive front. If the defensive front works this year, then the secondary will have a hell of a lot less riding on their shoulders. The development of that secondary um, can be a little bit less vital. Um, you obviously need them to not be a train wreck, but the better your defensive line is, the less that you're asking them to do. So uh, improvement from the offensive line, maturity from the defensive line. If those two things click, then USC is going to be in a significantly improved 
position in 2019. Yeah, I, I would say that the, the DBs are inexperienced, but I think there's more confidence that they'll come through because there's so many blue chippers there. But the O-line and D-line is where you need to see those improvements the most. The D-line absolutely has the has the bodies in J. Tufele and, you know, Peely and Tuipolotu and all those guys, Christian Rector. They have the ability to do it. We just need to see it, um, see them take another step forward. Uh, Brandon's second question is, how are you all surviving the offseason with the, all the excitement around the program? I mean, it's, I feel like, Every year it goes by faster than I realize it is, even as it goes by super slow. But this year, every week, out of nowhere, out of the blue, it feels like there's been something weird uh, or something interesting to at least talk about. Um, So also, I am in research heaven with my newspapers.com subscription. So maybe that's the thing that has me the most excited this offseason. Can I I say that my, my favorite new trivia thing... Oh God! Here of, of all time, of all time, I found this uh, while I was working on uh, one of my uh, countdown posts uh, on on Tuesday. In 1967, you well the 1967 Rose Bowl. USC was about to begin practice for the 67 Rose Bowl, and their starting left guard dropped a sword on his foot, severed a tendon, had to go through surgery, and missed the Rose Bowl as a result. Dude dropped a sword on his foot. Where'd he get the sword? That's what I want to know. <laughs> what was he doing with a sword? See, this would have been a be- better story if it had been like he got it from the drum major. See, that's what, that, the first th- the first time I saw the thing in the newspaper, I was like, what? Like, wait, was he like doing the salute thing? Like, and that would have been amazing. But no, it, it, he just he just had a sword that he was wielding for some reason and he dropped it on his foot. By the way, you tweeted out that you want a sword. Why do you want a sword? What I've the hell always, are you going to do with a sword? I am, that's why I've never bought a sword, but I've always wanted a sword. Like, swords are cool. Like, to to put on your wall, like, have it, like, framed and mounted yeah, in the whole thing? Yeah, I mean, like, that, that's what... I it, can understand that. Yeah, that's what mostly... But I can't understand, like, actually using a sword unless you're, like, living in... You know the wilderness, and you got a machete or something. No, if I if I bought a sword, it would be for display, but I would want it to be sharp enough that I could like take it out and like cut a watermelon in half if I wanted to. I'm weird. I accept, uh, but 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 I haven't Just been able to have justify- a serrated knife in your kitchen. I like haven't a- been able to justify this purchase, so I've never made it. And now learning about this dude who cut his tendon because he dropped the sword on his foot has kind of made me realize that this the, the, this unwise purchase is probably... Alicia, it shouldn't have taken this to realize why you shouldn't buy a sword. <laughs> well, I haven't Just bought saying. a sword, so I already realized all the reasons why yeah. I shouldn't buy a sword. Alright, right. uh, let's get a Slack message from Grumpy Oso, who says, I'm feeling good, good about this team. I think 10-2 and two with the rematch in the championship game to us going 11-2, and two, but left out of the playoffs. What's your opinion? Keely, what do you think? 10-2 and two with 11-2 and two after the championship game? I think he needs to change his name from not grumpy because <laughs> I, I expect the grumpiness. The, that's eager. Also, I think. Yeah, that's you're not a typical USC fan. That I think I don't know. I, the thing about the 2019 season, and I've told you guys this, I feel like it's going to be either pretty good or pretty bad. I feel like there's going to be no in between. I haven't decided which one yet, but that's my prediction as of June. The, my 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 only problem with the ten and two is. 
I can talk myself into nine and three really easily because I can talk myself because I, I see the three losses clearly in my head. To go 10 and two would mean USC's won a game that I, looking at it, feel pretty strongly they won't win. Well, if, it if means they go beating 10 Notre two, Dame. Well, they go 10 and two, they have to beat one of Washington and Notre Dame. Yeah. And they have to beat one of Stanford and Utah. And they, and they have to win everything else. And they can't slip up. Yeah. So. Yeah. Th- that's, that's a lot to, to say that that's for sure. For sure. Like, I can't imagine. Banking on the situation where SC goes two and one against Stanford, Utah, and Oregon right now, I think they're absolutely can. I just I wouldn't want to bank on it. Yeah, I just think the five and seven season made a fool out of us all. Yes, you just you never know. You really don't know, and that's why I'm a little hesitant to say anything. Just because if you would have told me prior to last season, yeah, USC's going to go five and seven, I'd be like, well, you're crazy. That's not going to happen. Hey, and if, then if you would have said they went five and seven after they started four and two. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, I, that's why I'm just, my lips are sealed right now. I'm not saying anything. But that's the thing is last season broke all the rules. We had really reliable rules. USC wins at home and they beat the teams that they're favored against. And it, the five and seven destroyed those rules, which means that we can't, we, we go into this coming season with no foothold to depend on. I can't I can't Can tell I you that coach Helton for this. <laughs> I can't tell you that USC will beat Colorado because I I don't know. Yeah. I I'm I'm putting together a, a list on retro.com which will go up at some point ranking USC's opponents by threat levels which we do every year. Mm. It's really difficult because every team on SC's schedule could potentially beat SC. The only team that I think that you know, as the least chance of beating SC is Arizona, but even then, like if Khalil Tate goes Khalil off, Tate. he yeah. absolutely yeah. could, right? Well, that that to, that breakdown usually has a balance where there's like two or three high threat level, uh, two or three like medium, two or three low, yeah. and then one and super like, low. It's hard to say that there's anyone that's a low. Yeah, that's the crazy part about the schedule for sure. So, I, I think that SC could be a team that has the capabilities of winning nine games. But might end up winning seven or eight just based on how the schedule breaks down. And so, I don't know. Maybe that's how Clay Helton keeps his job. SC looks way better than the record. I don't know. Um, I know people don't want to hear that. Uh, two Slack messages from Sean and Beautiful Austin, Texas. First one, what's the main reason we should be excited for USC football this season? Really quick, rapid fire, Alicia. Uh, It's USC football. Well, that was simple. I mean- uh, Keely? Uh, seeing the talented, the talent of USC's players in an air raid ish system. I yeah. think that's a big question mark that is interesting to me. That's the right answer. That's where I am. Plus, I like the. It's gonna feel like you can get the new car smell at the Coliseum, which would be kind of cool. True. I know people aren't happy about the renovation, but it's at least change and change. I find interesting. So. I'm just excited for the naked peristyle. Oh, that's gonna be so sexy. It's gonna be great. Uh. Sean's second question, will USC try and fail to make the double pass be a thing again this year? I, when I read this question the first time putting it in the rundown, I was trying to think, is that something that SC was doing last year? I don't remember. No, wait, because I think it was the ASU game. And I think it was Tyler Vaughn's to Michael Pittman. And I think it was a touchdown. That's right. That's right. Because in that game, he returned a punt, he threw a pass, and he caught a pass for a touchdown. Right. Okay. That Yeah. And the yeah. crazy part is that USC lost that game. Maybe yeah. that's why I don't remember it. Cause. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
Hey, that was during that 15 minute stretch. That of, what? Of the glorious 15 minute stretch. Yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't know if they're going to continue to do that. But well, okay. I assume. Every, every now and then. Why not? I assume that air raid coaches are all big fans of of uh, trick plays, but I can't actually say whether or not Graham Harrell did trick plays at North Texas all that much. So. I don't know. Yeah. I have to, uh, to stay tuned for SC's first game against Fresno State on August 31st. But uh, we have so much more from the mailbag. We're going to get to just a second. We'll be right back. You've got mail. All right, let's go to a couple of really fun questions from our pal Alex Polk, who says, I have a few questions. First one is for Keeley. What is it that Ryan is seeing at practice, or at least last season, that makes him believe JT Daniels is better for the new offense than Jack Sears? Do you feel the same, or are you a Sears believer? See, I think Ryan is under the impression that anyone in that offensive scheme system last season was going to fail. And yeah. so I think he kind of views it as a wash. And I think he goes off of more of what we have seen in practice. And, you know, what fans have seen of Jack Sears is pretty much that ASU game. And I think they put too much stock in that, whereas our view of Jack Sears is a bigger sample size. And it comes a lot out of practice. And, and Jack Sears is kind of... He's he's inconsistent. He has the pieces. He's just been inconsistent throughout his whole USC career. And I think that's what holds Ryan back on being a Sears believer, if you will. Because I think we've seen JT Daniels just stand out more in practice and has sort of held his own to a certain extent in the, the gumbo that was USC's offense in 2018. So I think that's where Ryan is coming from, where it's more like JT handles it better versus JT is the guy. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. And I think that's sort of a, a fair way uh, of looking at it. Certainly, um, because I think you're you're right to bring up the fact that those of us in the media are seeing so much more of Jack Sears that wasn't that performance. And even that performance, you know, we talk about that like glorious 15 minutes, but it was only 15 minutes in a 60 minute game. So, I mean, I fully am on board with the idea that Jack Sears looked better in that offense. But also, uh, USC scored on a double pass from Tyler Vons. They scored on a Valus Jones, like, sweep. And it it wasn't... The only time in the history of the earth. That that, that ever happened, yeah. Yeah. But, like, so Jack Sears wasn't flawless, he was he was positive, but the offense wasn't exactly moving super well in the first quarter or the fourth quarter when they needed to be. So, but those fifteen minutes happened, and those yeah. fifteen minutes were so beautiful. And the thing I go back to is Max Brown, his video breakdown of that game was I thought it was great. You go back and watch it on the YouTube. It's it's fantastic. Where he says what SC did, which they cut the field in half. They made his reads all you know towards one side of the field and he was rolling out all the time and it was going to make him his life easier and make the offense simpler. They didn't do those things on a consistent basis for JT Daniels. So if he would have been running the offense that SC had in the Utah game, would he have been as good? No. Um, also, Utah was better than ASU, but it would have been completely different. I think if we would have seen more of, of Jack Sears, it would have been different. And I think that that kind of sucks that we saw the whole grand scheme of things from JT Daniels and 
at the end of the day, seeing 10 games, 10, 11 games from him, it wasn't good, all all told. Um, but for Jack Sears, we only saw the good stuff well, for the most part. Yeah. And so it, so it makes their perceptions completely different. And I don't think that's fair to either one of them. Right. And I think it's like my perception going in is I prefer the style that Jack Sears would bring. But you also have to take into account JT Daniels won that job fair and square out of fall camp. I think we all agree JT Daniels won that job out of fall camp. And the assumption is that with this new offense, with this better scheme, JT Daniels is still the best quarterback on the field for the same reasons that he won that job coming out of fall camp. Right. Yeah. Until it changes. I think it's just a product of how frustrated USC fans are of how USC's offense has looked. Yeah. You know, if you're going to have some success, I think fans just grabbed onto that. Whether or not it was rational, it was just like, look, this kind of worked. Why aren't we going with this? And when you actually dig deeper into it, it doesn't make as much sense. Yeah, it's kind of like the Oregon State game. Like, they were going to make things simpler after they got rid of Neil Calloway in that Oregon State game. And yeah, the the offense looked to move a little bit easier in the Oregon State game, but it was Oregon State. And you kind of learned that at the end of the year anyways. Uh, Alex's second question. This is Keeley's favorite question of all time. Uh, you need a two-point conversion for $1 billion. And if you fail, you go to prison for two years. Who's your personnel and your formation and your play call? Just assume it's the best USC O-line possible. Uh, Keely, I'll give you a second to think about it since I know this was your favorite. Alicia, you, you want to take it away here? I've already thought about this and I have a very clear answer. If if the assumption holds true that I have the best USC offensive line possible, which I take to mean not like the best USC offensive line USC could put out in 2019, but the best USC offensive line possible, which we're talking like 1980s, 1970s USC offensive line, then I have Linda White and Reggie Bush in my backfield. I don't care what quarterback it is, but I send Lind- I send Reggie Bush out wide as a decoy and I hand the ball off to Lendell White going straight up the middle and I scored that two-point conversion because that offensive line is going to win that battle that's that's good I a lot of people say that if Reggie would have been on the field uh, Lendell White would have gotten two yards well if the offensive line had made their blocks better he would have gotten two yards this is true too Keely what say you yeah, I'm going to take the easy answer out and just say a variation of what Alicia said. I was thinking some type of, okay, this is such a mind warp because if it's the best USC O-line possible, something's going to get in, right? right? I That's mean, you're my gonna, thought. You don't need to be you're creative. You're going to make a hole somewhere, line. you know? And so just put Reggie Bush, Linda White, put good running backs out there. Someone's got to get in if you have a great O-line, right? Is yeah, it a trick my, question? My thought was Dude. if it's the best USC O-line possible, then Run student body right. Yeah. And you'll probably get two yards. Yeah. At worst, you'll get three yards. But guess what? That'll still give you the, the two point conversion. Like now let's play this game because you, you have to be get you have to be more creative. Play this game really quick with this year's USC offense. This year's USC offense. Yep. What do you do? I go five wide and um, I put somebody in motion, fake a jet sweep. Uh, I I. I go five wide, put Bayless Jones in motion to fake the jet sweep, have him run a little like uh, a little swing pass pattern. That's your first read. If it's taken, you run and you scramble in because the everyone will be stretched out. I go f- yep. I go five wide with Amon Ross St. Brown and Michael Pittman 
in the two slot positions and I have them both run slants and I hit whichever one of them has better position. You know how many people are getting mad of being like going five wide from the three yard line, by the way? A lot of people are probably like <laughs> in the throwing shotgun. their phones right now. Yeah. What was that tight end play that they ran uh, in the Texas game? The uh, the throwback. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. The, the, te- the Texas ran, yeah. yeah. Stanford kills that. I want to say Stanford's, or no, Utah killed Stanford USC with that. Stanford does that a lot. SC ran, scored a touchdown against Oregon in 2015. They threw a touchdown pass to uh, Petit. I like that. Scramble to the right, look back, throw back to the left. I like it too. Yeah, I like that too. Or just go play action bootleg, uh, and either fave. have a tight end, to, either have a tight end to dump it off, or just take it yourself if you're the quarterback. If anyone but JT Daniels is the quarterback, I'm I'm on board with that. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, you can make that package for Matt Fink. That go. shirt works. The Matt Fink package. LB. Remember that? <laughs> oh, good oh, yeah. times. It was a good two plays. One play, whatever the hell it was. Uh, let's go to a Slack message from Top Trojan Fan. Uh, this is all for Keeley. All the rest of our questions in the mailbag, by the way, are for Keeley. So goodbye, uh, everyone. Thanks for listening to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the first one, he says, please tell her that I'm stock neutral. Hey. This is a stock neutral podcast, for, for the record. <gasps> wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you, 100%. guys. 100%. Yeah. Stock neutral nation. We're out there. You got to make t-shirts for that. Stock neutral nation. To. We should. We should. <laughs> you got to. Uh, but Top Trojan Fan says, this is for Keeley. How do you find positivity at best or the ability to deal with all of the negativity as a bare minimum since you have been covering USC? We all know how much negativity has been surrounding the team and the university. And as Alicia can attest, it can really affect someone's mood and mindset. I mean, it's not like you were there reporting through the Pete Carroll era and got all of the good times. In this case, it's been mostly bad. To me, that would make things like the Penn State game much more meaningful. What are your thoughts? This is when I interject. Yeah, that you've you've been around the bad the whole time since you were a UCLA fan during the Pete Carroll era. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I, so you put me on blast every time I come on this podcast. No, yeah, I, have I mean to. to give you an idea. When I first started interning at USCFootball.com, was right around when Josh Shaw that whole thing happened and so that's the the taste of everything I've had to kind of cover so far but you know it's that's definitely a question I'm working through you know five and seven was not a fun time for USC fans and I feel like sometimes they think we're a conduit to the team and somehow if they yell at us we'll yell at them I don't know so the negativity is hard um, sometimes but you know at the end of the day we're covering college football you know I could be doing harder things and you know it's interesting I kind of pick uh, Ryan Abraham's brain or Dan Weber's brain about the whole Pete Carroll era and they said at some points it was kind of boring to cover because when you win that many games in a row there's not a lot to talk about from a reporting standpoint from a player interview standpoint and so sometimes adversity causes the most interesting interviews the most interesting scrums where someone says something that's not a canned answer and then you kind of push a little bit further you know one of my most interesting interviews I thought and Alicia was there for it was the Cam Smith interview mm-hmm. at the last that game I mean <laughs> I almost got run over by an ambulance when they were coming up the tunnel <laughs> but I was like I'm not stopping this interview I really want to hear what Cam Smith has to say about this team and so sometimes adversity makes it more interesting it's more you can see people's and players colors easier and that I find that interesting it's it's that's why I got into journalism. That's why I got into reporting is the people and the stories behind it. And sometimes that comes out more in the hard times. Yeah. And just like blocking out 
the negativity or like what, what my latest coping mechanism uh, with everything is like, I just laugh at it all now. Like, I think it's all really funny. Like there, we get comments on Random Troy constantly and they're all ridiculously negative and I highlight the ridiculousness of them now because I just the, I, I'm, I, I'm not taking anything personally anymore. I'm just like everything about this is just ridiculous and funny. I don't mind positivity or negativity. I just want people to be genuine. And what gets me and what bogs me down is when people are positive for the sake of being positive or negative for the sake of being negative. Right. It's just draining both ways because one feels like nauseating and the other one is just demoralizing for the sake of like, why? Like, yeah. That's that's a great point. And I don't like it when people t- when fans tell other fans how to be a fan. Yeah. Yeah. With the exception of being a bad fan. If you're a bad fan, then stop being a bad fan. <laughs> yeah. No, but I mean, sometimes I got to get off Twitter. You just got to stop reading things. You need a little mental break, a little, f- a little fresh air. But, you know, you cope with it in certain ways. Yeah. Uh, Top Trojan fans, other questions. I'll just run down the line here. If you could do one thing to change USC football, what would it be, Keely? This is so broad. Do I have like parameters? I don't know, just one you have thing. total freedom. You're you're the you're the queen of USC football for a day. Oh man. But like this is not including the athletic department. Is this just USC football? Just I, USC football. I think you could the athletic department has an impact on USC football. I think you could That's true. If you're if you're doing the thing that I think you want to do, go for it. I would immediately <laughs> look at everyone on the staff and see who is extra weight who's not and totally revamp the recruiting uh, staff really like put in staff where there needs to be staff whether it's in the strength and conditioning recruiting USC is so far behind on recruiting as far as what other the Alabamas the Clemsons are doing it it makes a big difference so maybe injecting that to make the program better if that's my interest um but if i'm going to be self-serving i would make the media pin much larger thank you (laughs) and no restrictions (laughs) on filming or whatnot so i would go with the latter answer because that's really what i'm interested in (laughs) but if for for usc fans sake i would say really helping out the recruiting stuff yeah like you could just go up to data field the whole time They, they could just put up bleachers around Howard Jones Field, and you could just walk up and down the bleachers. All I would With shade, honestly. Yeah. All, well, the shade would be a big thing, but honestly, all I would ask for is let us shoot one on ones. That's it. Let us shoot one on ones. Yeah. No scheme. That, yeah. No nothing. Just you know. I'd I'd make a whole like we'd have drinks, refreshments, <laughs> umbrellas, fans during fall camp. Oh, you have no idea how Keely ridiculously excited I am to see what the soda situation is at the Nicolaitan <laughs> press box. <laughs> Like, is this fountain drinks? Is it is it going to be another fountain? Is it going to be or is it going to be like the Rose Bowl where they're going to be bottles? Is it going to be know? stupid like ASU like Arizona where they put out rows of no that was U- cups? that was Utah oh, was that Utah, Utah? Oh, yeah Utah which still cup. doesn't make any sense because they literally hired people to just hand people sodas like it's a waste of a person <laughs> in a little tiny little cup it's it's a waste of labor yeah. like I don't understand it I, I don't get it uh, not that I people should have jobs so great that people have jobs but it's just i don't know it was weird um top george fans next question how has her job changed now that they do live broadcasts with live callers Ooh, 
It's definitely scary. You know, Chris Vino screens our calls and sometimes he'll text me like, not sure about this one. <laughs> so I'm kind of going in blind. Like, okay, what does that mean? And the thing too is that there is kind of a, a delay. So if we say something, people don't get that you have to kind of wait and then respond. So then like, I'm afraid that everyone will start talking over each other. So that stresses me out. But yeah, I have my finger hovered over the mute, the drop call, very like I'm ready to pull that button as quick as possible. Have but you so had far, any... I don't want no pranks yet. No pranks. I mean, we did have like oh. one caller who we know, like he's called to the podcast before and is and like Ryan's met him. So we kind of know him and he kind of pranked. Oh, yeah. called, but... Witherspoon. Yeah. Well, no, not him. <laughs> it is the same. It's the same dude. It's the same dude. Boiler yeah. Alert. So, so, but I don't want to like jinx it or invite anyone. But we haven't had like legit callers. I did get a marriage proposal once, but <laughs> you just tested it. By the way, if anyone prank calls, tell them that Randa Troy sent you. No, I'm kidding. Oh, no. Don't do that. Oh, do not do no. that. No, be nice to Keely. Do not do that. That would be terrible. No, then you guys would hate us, and then we wouldn't be friends of the pod anymore. Yeah. Yeah, we'd be ex friends of the pod. Yeah. Tragic. <laughs> Uh, Top Trader fans, next question. Does Ryan really eat all that much Trader Joe's food? He does. Now, it's a little cringy when he does his Ryan uh, Ryan recommendations and gets that Trader Joe's spot in there every <laughs> week. But, you know, he does eat that much Trader Joe's. Yeah, Trader Joe's is great. Uh, and then Top Trader fan says, also, she needs to harass Shotgun more and encourage more food metaphors from Ryan. He's at his best when he's rambling. I agree with this so much. Ryan's food metaphors are, are fantastic. See, but Ryan's gotten such an ego about his food metaphors. <laughs> you tell him that the fans like it and then suddenly it, everything's a food metaphor. I think you need to pick your spots and he hasn't really found that out yet. But as far as provoking shotgun, that uh, gladly, I will do that more, of course. Yeah, you, you want to be able to do that so that way the podcast is not stocked down. It stays True. stock neutral and stays good. Thank you. By being yes. stock neutral, yeah. Uh, Top Jordan fan says, anyways, thanks for your answers. Fight on and fight out, which is his signature phrase. Oh. Uh, let's go to a Slack message from Dave. We got three questions. First of all, uh, what is Keeley's thoughts on the United Airlines field at the LA Memorial Coliseum? I just don't feel like anyone besides the broadcasters who have to say it are going to call it that. But yep. I like it better that it's not going to be named the Coliseum, like on the Coliseum name. I just thought yeah. that was never going to work. Yeah, I'm waiting for the freakout when people walk into the Coliseum and there's a big United logo at the 25-yard line. And, oh, yeah. then I, and then I'm just ready to say, well, what did you think it meant when it said United Airlines Field? Um, that's going to be fun. But yeah, I, I would agree with you. Uh, Dave also says, what is your favorite road game destination? A lot of good ones this season on the, on the schedule. True. Should I be... I have a boring answer and then I have like a real answer. My boring answer is that I always love the Arizona trip. I don't know why. One, because I think like the Phoenix area slash Tucson, I'm from Orange County, and I feel like Phoenix is like a desert Orange County. So for me... <laughs> oh, that's amazing. That's so true, though. Phoenix is an extension of the Inland Empire. Phoenix yeah. and the Inland Empire are the same thing. Yeah, I see that. But like, I just, it gives me Orange County vibes, like desert Orange County vibes. And I get homesick, which is dumb because I'm in LA, so it's not that far. But I get homesick, so it's kind of a weird, like, home away from home type of deal. And like, my roommates always drive to Arizona together. So it's like a fun little trip. Fun fact, and not trying to like 
be all nice to you guys, but the the tradition is that while we're driving back from Arizona, we listen to the car cast. So that's like our little awesome. tradition. Hey-o. We'll have to like throw in a little nugget. The, the, hi, Keely and roommate. How's it <laughs> going? They would, they would freak out for sure. I think <laughs> yeah. like two years ago, you mentioned me because we talked about something on the sideline and the whole car was like, oh my God. So <laughs> that's always fun. I'm definitely noted it, that down. It's happening. Okay, good. I'm glad. Yeah. But the, the non-boring answer is that Notre Dame's always fun. I think their fans are really fun and intense. The two games I've been to have been awful from a USC performance standpoint, but I love the atmosphere and it's just a fun time all around. Yeah. Now, Alicia, as, a, as an alum, do, do you feel the same <laughs> way when you go back to Notre Dame? I've only ever been to Notre Dame once. Yeah, because you did online classes. <laughs> it, was, it was the same time you went to Notre Dame and it was beautiful. And uh, Notre Dame fans were really, really uh, pleasant to be around. We, I was in a Notre Dame section, so uh, it was it was nice to be around mostly friendly people. Uh, and yeah, great trip. So Chicago's in terms wonderful of road games, too, yeah, in terms of road games, are, are you doing all the road games this year? That's the plan. And fun fact, UW is going to be the last stone in my Pac-12 Infinity Gauntlet, if you will. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, nice. so I will complete all 12 with UW. So I'm excited for that. That is, that's my goal. I, I don't know when that's ever going to happen for me because I've been to all eight of the bottom eight it's the top four the the northern four that i've not mm. been to what? so we're Wazoo. going to the washington game we'll check that off um, wazoo is the is the real tough one to try and check off the list yeah. which we've decided recently like this is so stupid that you know we haven't made a rain of troy trip out of going to wazoo because apparently we have free lodging up there my family yeah. my family lives just outside of spokane like they live on the idaho uh, in idaho <laughs> But like right next to Spokane, Spokane. and you never mentioned this. It's, you just I, never, no, you I, never thought. I of literally it. just discovered that it's an hour and a half away from Pullman. So like, wow, yeah. Well, you you have to go through. You drive through Spokane to get to Pullman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How did you not connect and, this? And, and, and people I, stay in in Moscow, or Moscow. They call it Moscow. Yeah. No, I. D- Which is in Idaho. Yeah, my my family lives in Post Falls, Idaho. Like, I don't. I, wow. I, <laughs> I was never thinking of this. So yeah. yeah. For the SMH. future. SMH. SMH. Uh next question from Dave. Was Keely into Game of Thrones? And if so, how did she feel about the final season? So no, I was not a, a Game of Thrones watcher, but for some reason I decided to like revel in how angry everyone is. So I'd always like read the tweets and like be like, Oh yeah, this name that I kind of know did this. Oh, that's bad. You know, so like I would so talk to my friends. It's validating that you're not watching? Yeah, not even that. I just like I like watching the experience of the fans kind of hate it all. <laughs> is that weird? <laughs> you like watching the train wreck? I just watching the Twitter reaction was kind of fun, but no, I did not watch it. My mom watched it and would complain to me, and I wouldn't have no idea what was happening. So now I'm I'm curious as someone who didn't watch the show, can you give a synopsis in like thirty seconds of what happened? Because I'm convinced that a random person could. I've never seen a single Marvel movie, but I I can tell you what happens in a lot of them because so many different people tweet about the crap. I could tell you like just based on that, I've like had osmosis and I can tell you exactly how Infinity War ends and the other one, whatever that one was. <laughs> no. Okay. This is going to be really embarrassing because I'm totally going to botch this. All This is what I picked up. Something about Bran and really him the whole time. Why are you going to do that? If the, I don't know. And then something <laughs> about like, 
something about a three-eyed something. I don't know. Uh-huh. Yeah. Jon Snow and a and a wolf dog something that mm-hmm. ghost that made people sad, happy, don't remember. You're hitting one. a lot of yeah. bullet points. <laughs> yeah. This is very good. Keep going. Something about the the episodes that weren't written by those guys, that those were the good episodes and the rest were like meh. And then uh-huh. it, it felt like they were smushing everything just to be done with it. Mm-hmm. And then just to be done with it. That's yeah, what I, I got. <laughs> I think it sounded like you watched all the all the episodes. I, I, I think yep. I think you hit the major talking points. You you only missed the one major talking point, which is they they turned Danny evil. But like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and oh, and a Starbucks cup. <laughs> oh yeah, Starbucks yes. cup. Yeah, Starbucks cup and and a water bottle and yeah. laptop charger. Yes. There's there was a scene where st- when Stannis is being killed or after he's killed, you see a laptop charger underneath his feet. <laughs> well, that was like yeah. two seasons ago. Though. It was several seasons ago. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, a long time ago. Yeah. But yeah, that's a fun fact. Sorry if we spoiled it for anybody. Uh, Oops. Yeah. You should have watched it. Um, <laughs> it's going to be a Slack message from Top Trojan fan. Uh, what is Keely's favorite food? Oh. I hope I upset you. I, we, but Michael, we haven't even discussed that we're super tasters. Yeah, uh, we're both super tasters. One, one of you I, is yeah. super taster. I, I let you use one of my extra tests, and you ended up being a super taster. Right, but my test made us skeptical about your test, mm-hmm. where it had to like become sour for you. That was a little, a little sketch. That's all I'm going to say about okay, that. Okay, whatever. As, but as the elite club that we are in, as super <laughs> tasters, I don't mm-hmm. know. I. See, well, I'm gluten-free, not by choice, but if I wasn't, I love carbs, so maybe, like, a good mac and cheese or, like, a good salty Wetzel's pretzels, that would be my, like, I'd go to. See, I think Sinful Cinnamon is the best Wetzel's pretzel. Really? Nah. See, but, but like, I would rather go, like, savory versus sweet in that category. See, I am with you. Like, I'm not a person who craves cake. I'm a person who craves fries. Yes. Yes. So, like, when when people are like, oh, I'm craving like you know candy. I'm like no candy doesn't sound remotely good to me. I'd rather have a burger. I'd rather have a slice of pizza. Oh, I crave candy. I crave sweet all the time. I crave it all to be yeah. honest. But <laughs> but I I kind of go more carby than sweet. But it depends. But fries, I will always be like I will be full and they'll be like oh fries, I'll have some. You know, there's there's right. an extra fry fry pocket in my anatomy. <laughs> and and I think we've discussed this before. Burger first or fry first? Or you mix? Well, it depends. Like if you I might have to... asked me this. Maybe I don't know. Oh, did what do you say? I'm. I usually eat one and then the other. Hmm. It's it's usually burger first then fries. See, okay. It. De- I think it depends on the place because like a place like Chick Fil A, those waffle fries when they're warm, that's just delicious. So I have to right. go fries fries first. But like a place like have you guys ever been to Ruby's? It's mm-hmm. like a Southern California thing. Have we ever been to Ruby's? <laughs> <laughs> Some people don't know. Yes, I've been to Ruby's. Ruby's is one of the great places that gives you the extra cup when you get a shake. Yeah. Yes, yes. Like, if I could have one last meal, it would be at Ruby's. I freaking love Ruby's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Ruby's, great place. Ruby's, I do a mix of while I'm eating and also save for last because they keep well. So, that, you know, it, it depends on place. You, you right. got to you gotta, you gotta wet your appetite with a few fries and then you got to eat mm-hmm. your burger and then you got to fill up the rest with your fries. Yeah, I would go with that. I think that's the general. And then we're talking gluten-free. What is the best kind of gluten-free pizza? Are we talking cauliflower, rice flour? Ooh, I don't know. I think if you go like brown rice, 
brown rice kind of tastes bearable. <laughs> right. Cauliflower, you're definitely getting a veggie sense to it. I've heard so many people say that you need to try the cauliflower one. I'm like, just the thought of it makes me want to get. I love cauliflower, so I, I hate cauliflower. Really enjoy cauliflower pizza because I like cauliflower on its own. So. Cauliflower is if someone saw broccoli and was like, how do I take all the good stuff out of broccoli and just leave this white stuff? <laughs> I prefer cauliflower. I just don't feel like it has, a, it doesn't really have a taste, does it? It, it does, but it's, it's like, it's, it's, it's a very distinct taste, a but it doesn't have a taste the way that broccoli has a taste. Like broccoli has yeah. more of a taste. Broccoli is great. Yes. But cauliflower is good. Cauliflower with like a cheese sauce. My mom does that. No, broccoli with a cheese sauce. No, no, I'm I'm very anti like those type of. You don't like broccoli and cheese. It's good, but it's not great. It's just like oh too much God. cheese. It's uh, just no. not good. It's no, not good I love a broccoli like like a broccoli soup that's basically half cheese. That's my yeah. favorite <laughs> broccoli cheese. Yeah, I'm so I'm so mad at Chili's that they got rid of their broccoli cheese. Did soup. they? Yeah, they got oh. rid of it years ago, and I have not forgiven Chili's, but I still love Chili's. So. Yeah. Um, anyways, another question for you, Keely, comes from hmm. Pete in Sherman Oaks. Hi, this question is for Keely. Is Tommy Lastella juicing? Thanks in advance. I'll take my answer off the air. Go Bruins, Pete in Sherman Oaks. Now, I'm fully convinced that Pete is you, Michael, and you wrote this question <laughs> as a troll. I would never do such a thing. This is an email we got from Pete in Sherman no Oaks. No way. Um, see, I just think it was, it would be perfect if it was you because you're a bitter Cubs fan. You miss Tommy LaStella. This, it I just do. makes sense. I do miss Tommy, but he is juicing, right? No, no. The Angels are clean and they're perfect. <laughs> Except for the record because they suck and it makes me sad. Oh, here's a question for you two. Uh, my, my brothers are all, well, m- two of my brothers are Dodgers fans. One of my brothers is an Angels fan. And they have been in this epic battle for the last week in our family chat group on Facebook uh, about who the better player is, Mike Trout or Cody Bellinger. Or Cody Bellinger? Yes. It's Mike Trout. Like, come on. <laughs> Thank you, right? Yeah, this is, this is an insulting yeah. question. Right? Okay. Yes. I, w- I, also, I was I curious about Michael's Cody Bellinger because of his stupid batting stance. It bugs me. Oh, well, that's... Like, he's so upright and has, like, this big loopy-ass swing. Like, it bothers That is me. the most Michael reason to not like somebody i've ever heard yeah, i trust me batting stances make or break a person another reason why i can't index? stand albert albert Pujols is wow. because of his, his swing and how when he finishes he does that slow-mo stare and like watches the ball go like bothers me once it again bane of my existence bitter cubs fan speaking <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. wait but is this question based on that Vox graphic of Bellinger yes. and, and Mike Trout? Yes. Where they l- cherry picked weird stats to make him look better than Trout? Yes. H- how about the How about the one that was Trout and Rizzo and had like all of Rizzo's best stats are about the same as Trout's? That was <laughs> oh, great too. okay. I might I might be thinking of that graphic. I'm not sure. My brother, the, one of my brothers, shared a, shared the graphic that was comparing Bellinger to uh, Trout, and my brother, who's the Angels fan, was like, "This is bullcrap." And then I, who I'm technically an Angels fan, but I really don't watch baseball, so I can't really claim it. I was looking at it going like, but but those stats are dumb. Like like he had forty more he had forty more at bats and like this, that, and the other thing. Like these are all insignificant. But Bellinger's a better home run hitter, Trout's a better player and a better hitter yeah, overall. There you go. That's very simple. I always choose my trout if given the option, so that's my answer. <laughs> Definitive yeah. answers. I'll share this with my family. Yes. When in doubt. Go with Trout. Trout. 
Oh, wow. Oh, shoot, make that shirt, rhymes. Make a shirt of that, Michael, and I'll wear it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll do that. I'll design that. Sounds perfect. Anyways, that's going to wrap up this episode. It's been a really short one. Um, not really. Um, Elisa, you talked about it recently that we had gotten feedback in the off season to make shorter episodes. People <laughs> wanted shorter episodes, shorter episodes, Oops. shorter episodes. And I was looking at Apple Podcasts today. Our last three episodes have been like an hour and a half. We've gotten back to the hour and a half, you know, long, girthy pods. And this is going to be yet another one. Yeah. I, like, like I said to you after a couple of weeks ago, it's like, so we basically did that for five months. <laughs> it took us five months to say, screw it. <laughs> We're back to hour and a half episodes. Yeah. It's all good. I, I don't understand the point I of love not long liking episodes. long episodes. I, yeah. I always want to say, I don't know if I'm biased, but like, I love your guys' long episodes. I don't get it. If you like a podcast, wouldn't you want more of it? Yeah. That's know. my thought. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I think it's the people who don't have time. And f- so I, I like get it. Podcast but if, FOMO? My thought is if you really love something, you'll make time. Oh, wow. So profound, Michael. <laughs> no, but I'm not, I don't mean that like in a selfish way, like <laughs> make time for us. I don't mean it like that. I'm just saying like you'll make time. It's like people getting mad at like Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones spoilers like two days later. It's like. If you really wanted to watch Game of Thrones, you would have watched it on that night. You would have found a way to not be spoiled. Like, because you should have known. I get how things get in the way. But if, and then when in doubt, just listen on like two speed or something. It goes faster. It's, it's a little too fast. And then I was talking like this and I just can't do it. See, I listen to you guys on one and a half. And so when I, like somehow when I get on normal, you guys sound drunk to I was me. About to, like you all- <laughs> I was about to ask if we sound drunk to you right now because we're talking at normal speeds. I've been talking to you long enough, but if I were to just go to that, <laughs> I would be like, yeah, you guys are drunk. It's just like everything sounds, the theme song is faster. A Bay Bay is faster. Like everything just sounds faster. A Bay I just love that the half speed makes everybody sound drunk. That's what Michael's favorite thing for a little while was to send me clips of me sounding really <laughs> trashed. And the other thing is, you don't realize this in normal conversation, but how often people stutter over their words. I know, right? if you go into half speed, it's like, every every word is just stuttery because I think that they need to run the ball more. And if they run the ball more, I think there would be a better offense. I can't wait to listen to that in half speed. It might sound well. Listen to that at two speed. It might sound normal. Oh, good, good exercise for all of us. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, it's been super long. Probably nobody's still listening. But if you are, uh, what, what's the code word to tell us that you're still listening? Keely, pick a code word. I told people once to tweet at me a pineapple if they made it this far. The pineapple right. emoji. Hey, I, I was drinking pineapple Kickstart, mango pineapple Kickstart. Wow. So on theme. We can make it cauliflower since we're talking about cauliflower. No, do a baseball emoji. People have that, and go. it's universal. All right. Baseball emoji for the Cubs. Yeah. First no. place, Chicago Cubs. Boo. Hey, we, we, we took two or three out of you guys, so that's, that's all that matters. Whatever. Yeah. Anyways, uh, that's going to wrap up this episode. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Reign of Troy. Like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Reign of Troy. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, Google Play, and Spreaker. Bonus episodes on Patreon, Patreon.com slash Reign of Troy. Our email address Rain of Troy at fansire.com and our phone number 213 373 1 USC. 
Alicia, give us the final word. The final word can be cauliflower. Gross. Disgusting. Garbage. Trash. I had roasted cauliflower recently with like a chimichurri like seasoning sauce on it. Seasoning Gag. powder the on only it. Thing worse, the only thing worse sounding than that is hummus. Oh, I like hummus. You know what hummus looks like? Baby vomit. <laughs> Michael. <laughs> it does. It does. Well, you really baby tasty and- baby vomit. Baby vomit and cream of wheat, you <laughs> mix it together and that's hummus. Oh my gosh. You know I'm right. You know I'm right. Oh lord. No. Wrong. I haven't had cream of wheat in a while. Maybe I should have cream of wheat. There you go. Anyways, that's it. Until next time, we'll see ya. See ya. See ya. See ya. See ya. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.